It's been nearly six years since the launch of the Xbox 360 and five for the PS3 and Wii, the longest lifespan in a generation of consoles to date. With Nintendo's announcement of the Wii successor, the Wii U, at E3 this year, the next generation is finally almost upon us. Where is it? Other than Nintendo, we've had nary a peep from the other two big players in the market. For this week's big topic, Ron and I are going to chat about what we think is going to happen with the next evolution of console gaming. The week of September 12th, I'm Mike Dunn. And I'm Ron Burke. And this is the Gaming Trend Podcast. Before we get into our big topic this week, let's talk a little about what you're playing right now, Ron. Well, right now I'm working on the God of War Origins collection. Uh, as you might recall from last week, we talked a little bit about uh, it's a PSP kind of rebuilt title for the PlayStation 3. Uh, gets the HD makeover, gets the sweet sound. So uh, I'm, I'm working my way through those again. Uh, you may recall that I actually reviewed both of those titles on the PSP. So yeah, I was about uh, to I was about to ask you if you'd play those because I, ha- I I don't own a piece of PSP, so I, I I don't know about them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're quite good. Uh, it's obvious that they spend a lot of time bumping up the graphics, but you're still definitely playing a, a sharpened up PSP title. Gotcha. Uh, if you're expecting God of War three, uh, look elsewhere because that that title's called God of War three. <laughs> So is it somewhere in between like PS2 and PS3 graphics? Yeah, pretty much. Um, there's some stuff like the the Minotaurs are really a good example of that. They spend a lot of time sharpening those guys up so they look quite good. Um, you know, the lip sync is still a little off. There's some stuff that's that's definitely some PSP level graphics, but uh, it it's definitely better than it was. And for those who don't own a PSP, this is a really good chance to play two titles that you know, you'd otherwise have missed. Now, where do they where do they land in the timeline overall timeline? Uh, so obviously before have you have you beaten God of War three? Yes, have I you have. Played it? Yeah. Okay. So obviously before then, right? Um, it's uh, the first one's actually a siege on Athens, so it it kind of I think it takes place after God of War one, but before God of War two. Uh, I'd actually have to look to to figure out where those kind of fall. Um, yeah, it, let's not pretend that there's a huge story here. It's, it's Kratos and uh, swinging around giant knives and screaming a lot. So yeah, there, there's not a lot of need for for great story. You know, there's and then and then of course there's naked women. So, oh yeah, yeah. There's got to be. Uh, it's, it's a kind of war game. Right. Those are kind of the elements. Uh, and, you know, lots of uh, angry against dad angst. So uh, yeah. I'd have to look to see where they fall, but all the elements are there. So, blood, anger, and tits. It's God of War. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. All right. And threesomes. Oh, hey. And, and gods. Right. <laughs> and angst. Right. All right, what else you got on your plate? Uh, so, I'm working through Hard Reset. Uh, it's a pretty short game. It's only about four hours. But a little bit of a cyberpunk action. If you're looking for Deus Ex, this isn't it. Uh, again, the title's called Deus Ex. So, uh, hard reset. It's uh, it's a shooter, indie shooter. It's not bad. Uh, it comes in at thirty bucks on Steam. So look at my review on that pretty quick. Uh, I can't say too much more about that without kind of giving away the entire three hours. So <laughs> it, it's definitely a, a short romp. Right, right. Uh, who who made it? Uh, that's Flying Hog. I think is the name of the company. Oh, I sound really familiar. Yeah, I, I'd have to look and see what else they've made. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Flying Wild Hog is the name of the company. Got to make that distinction. Yeah, confuse them with the other uh, Wild Hog companies. <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> or the other Flying Hogs. Right, and yeah. again, that, that would be a terrible mistake. <laughs> um, if you visit their website, it, it's pretty much a shell, so... Right. They might have put the little digging guy up there, and it would have been just as effective. Well, you know, you, you got to appreciate the indie, the indie game devs. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, anybody who's been reading the site for a while knows that we're we're big supporters of the indie landscape. So, uh, I'll definitely give it a fair shake. It's not a AAA title. I don't think that's what they're aiming for. Right. But it it is damn pretty. I will say that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, four hours. What you. You pay sixty dollars, fifty or sixty dollars for as little as eight hours these days. So 
or less. Right. Yeah. So, so half price, yeah. half as long. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll I'll have my full review up on that in a couple of days. Awesome. Uh, in addition to that, uh, there's another game that has lots of screaming in it, and uh, and blood. And I'm working on that title for its release on the uh, the twentieth. Little game called Gears of War three. Ever heard of that? Uh oh, whoa. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so uh, there's there's a couple people that might be interested on that one, but uh, obviously I can't say anything until we're much much closer to the review date. Right, but at least we can pretty much guarantee a, a day one review for that one. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm on that. Awesome. All right, so the big releases this week, or should I just say the releases this week? Because I don't know if I would classify too many of these as big. Yeah, yeah. Looking over the list, it is a it's a pretty weak list. Yep. What have we uh, got? Call uh, of Juarez, the the cartel, uh, wasn't exactly a big hit on the consoles, so uh, the con- the console market is probably a little more tolerant of the uh, the the gaffes that kind of came with this one. I don't think the PC market's going to respond any better to it than the console market did. Well, hopefully, hopefully, maybe they did a few tweaks to alleviate some of the concerns. But sure, sure. It may just be a cash in, so I guess we'll just have to see. Yep. Uh, let's see. What, Red Orchestra Two. I've heard good things about the the original Red Orchestra. I can't say I've played it actually. Yeah, neither have I. Uh, I know there's a lot of people on the forums that are interested. Good deal. Well, um, we'll keep an eye out on that and see how that turns out. Uh, the previously mentioned God of War Origins collection for the PS3, yep. which uh, we should have a review up soon for that. Um, NHL, in a, ah, <clears throat> let me try that again. NHL 12. Good God, 12? <laughs> I imagine the sports fans are all sorts of excited, but uh, you know that franchise has kind of been beaten up and passed around. Uh, I can't say I'm, I'm much of a sports writer myself, but uh, uh, the folks like Devil on our forum, I'm sure, would be very, very excited to speak at length about NHL 12. Right, and and I'm I'm pretty sure uh, that's that's one of the games that Bill Harris actually looks forward to every year. Ah, yeah. Well, they do turn them out. Yeah. Every year, so Every year. <laughs> he's he's always got something to look forward to. Uh, let's see, White Knight Chronicles two. Now the original, um, we actually reviewed the original, and it did very well. Tra- traditional Japanese RPG, turn based. Uh, you know, this one looks right along with that. Uh, I want to say that's level five is the developer on that. Yeah, Make sure not so. good stuff. So, so yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to. Uh, Get my hands on that when I now, when I've kind of cleared my plate a little bit. Now, wasn't that one of the launch titles for the PS3, or right around launch? Yeah, it was pretty early. Um, I want to say it was the international version that came out here. Uh, we got the kind of the Japanese preview at one of the early E3s. I think it was actually the announcement E3 for uh, for the PlayStation 3. And then uh, you know, there's a lot of teeth gnashing and, and hand-wringing about whether or not it would actually come out here in the United States, and then finally uh, Level 5 and Sony got it out the door, so... Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a different game. Which which is the one that had Andy Serkis as the voice of the bad guy? Oh, um, you're talking about... Uh, that That's another screaming and people <laughs> swinging weapons around like Ginsu knives. Um, oh, man. Oh, Heaven, Heavenly Sword, wasn't it? Heavenly Sword, that's yeah, right. Okay. That's right. Yeah, sorry about that. I, Boy, his career kind of blew up after that, didn't it? Oh, I mean, oh, yeah. he's in everything. Yep. You need something motion captured? He's kind of your guy. <laughs> yeah, um, he, uh, wasn't he uh, Caesar in Planet of the Apes? Correct, Planet and he was, also, uh, he was also King Kong, right. and he was Gollum. Of course. And, you know, now he's got his own production studio in the UK, and he pretty much pioneered vocap, so uh, yeah, he's kind of done well for himself off of that title. Absolutely. Um, of course, none of that has anything to do with White Knight Chronicles, too. But <laughs> no, absolutely nothing to do with it, which I think is the best part. Right. Um, let's see. We've got Hard Reset, which we also talked about earlier. Yep. Yep. 
and uh, Gunstringer. Now, I looked up this game before I compiled this list earlier, and apparently you're a gunslinger puppet. Go on. <laughs> and and uh, that's that's pretty much the premise. It's like a, a western marionette or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, points for, for unique. Um, is this the, I think it's a Twisted Pixel title? I think I, yeah, I think I actually saw something on this at E3. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It, it, it looks kind of like a pla- action kind of platformer title. Right, right. It, oh, it's it's a Connect title. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> we'll have to see how the reviews turn out on that. So, Flailing around. Well, yes. Shooting guns. And, yeah, and acting like a marionette. There you go. The the marionette thing makes a lot more sense now. Yes, it does. It does. (laughs) Uh, Yes, it's it's a pretty weak release list for this week. Yeah. Which Uh, I think everybody wants wants to steer clear of of, uh, Gears, which I can can understand. Yeah, yeah. I'm... I guess consider this the calm before the storm because it's going to get relentless really soon. Oh yeah, and uh, you know there's there's a little uh, beta key for Diablo three action going on, so that's kind of got some attention. Oh yeah. Um, the newest build for the Old Republic comes out Tuesday, which is supposed to bring massive changes to the beta, lots of improvements, and moving it towards. A public beta, so that there's a lot of a lot of action in the game space right now. Now, I'm gonna di- digress one more time, real quick, because since you're talking Just about once? MMO, <laughs> since you're talking about MMOs, um, sure, not not generally a uh, uh, a game style that I I tend to go for. I just don't have the the time for it. Neither but, do I, but I just keep getting sucked in. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually have to physically keep myself away from them because I know I will. Yep. It's just one of those things. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I, I have to just talk about this trend in MMOs lately. And, I mean, so far it's been MMOs that are predominant, have predominantly been out for a while. But everything seems to be going free-to-play now. And yeah, I can't help but wonder... These new big MMOs in the pipeline, like uh, Old Republic. Yep. I mean, what's going to happen there? Well, the Old Republic's a bit of a different thing, but uh, the the free to play thing is not exactly a new business model. You don't you don't pay a lot for the razor handle, but damn, are those razors expensive? So, you know, you, there's a million different ways to get free razor handles, but razors cost you an arm and a leg. It's the same thing with, you know, microtransactions on the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3. You know, the, the game itself, not that expensive if you pick it up after launch, but you know, little add-ons here and there, and suddenly you find yourself paying 60 or more for that, uh, for that title. So the MMO uh, space, I think they're trying to get people that wouldn't otherwise have played it. Like, for instance, Conan. I mean, that title's been out for quite a while. Right. And anybody who is going to jump on that and be a hardcore player has probably done so already. But being free to play, the barrier to entry is zero. Yep. So they're not losing a sale by having somebody actually download it and give it a try. And And they they may actually pick up a, a sale that they wouldn't otherwise have by giving, by taking away that barrier to entry. Well, and, and I've actually heard some compelling uh, data that th- this is actually becoming profitable. It's making right. these games profitable again. Well, Dungeons and, and Dragons Online is a good example. They were on the brink of of the end for them. Yep. People had just kind of exhausted Dungeons and Dragons Online, but if you look, there, there's new content coming out all the time. They're able to fund their teams, keep people employed, keep people cranking out content all based off of those little tiny microtransactions. So so what I'm wondering is what if what if one game comes out and and I, I like you said this isn't this isn't a new model uh, 
There was an NCSoft game that I, that I think did it right from the beginning. Oh, you're talking about Guild Wars, the yes. original Guild Wars. Right, yes. Right. And uh, the title itself wasn't free to play. The, to- the title itself cost you 60 bucks at launch, but there was no subscription fee. Oh, okay. That's what it was. All right. Yep. And Guild Wars 2, I believe, I- I've actually kind of media blacked out on, uh, on Guild Wars 2 because it- I saw some stuff on it. It looks fantastic. And now I'm like, ah, I don't want anything spoiled. So I've kind of actually steered clear. But I think it's actually going to follow the same model, if I recall correctly. Gotcha. So I- I'm wondering if what what happens when when a new MMO comes out and they decide to go free to play right from the beginning, and just to make all of their money on on the microtransactions. Like, if there was a re- uh, like a triple A quality game, like. The Old Republic, or something, or World of Warcraft, or something similar, that started with that model and ran with it from the beginning. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that would be extremely disruptive. I imagine you're probably right, especially if, if as you said, it was a AAA title. Uh, it could probably be very disruptive to the game space. Uh, everybody expects brand new games to cost a certain amount. We've all kind of got that programmed in our head, mm-hmm. and for them to open the door and give away everything in the store for free. Yeah, that'd, that'd be kind of scary for some other folks that are funding their own MMOs, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I did mention that the Old Republic is definitely a different uh, a different animal. It's Bioware. So there's there's an expectation that not only is it going to be you know an epic MMO, but there's also going to be some epic storytelling uh, based off of what I've played. Which you know, I, there's an NDA, so I can't be very specific. Right. But uh, based off of what I've played and what I've seen at E3, there's incredible storyline there. If you're looking for uh, Knights of the Old Republic three, well, they're giving you three, four, five, six, seven. It's the same gameplay that we that we loved in Knights of the Old Republic one and two. It's just being doled out with other players. All so right. it, it's an interesting model that they've kind of managed to stick with. The old Bioware style of you know morality choices and multiple classes and their you know humor injected in and everything else, but it's in MMO flavor. I think it's going to really change the landscape of MMOs because you're not going to be able to to pull off you know hey here's here's your quest go skin eight rabbits and bring me their skins. Right. That crap's not going to fly anymore. Yep. So you, you feel pretty confident that this may kind of take the the top crown away from WoW at this point? That's a tough, tough thing to do, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, there are people that have ruined their lives over World of Warcraft. It's yeah. that compelling. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to capture not not the casual players that World of Warcraft still manages to somehow pull. I mean, I know people that, that consider themselves gamers, but you ask them what they play, and the only thing they play is World of Warcraft. Yep. Hard to call yourself a gamer... Uh, and and you're only playing one game, but I think it's going to pull in guys like me that have played RPGs all of our lives. You know, as I sit in, uh, at my desk here, uh, I can see Neverwinter Nights, Neverwinter Nights Two, uh, Mask of the Betrayer. I can see Dragon Age, Dragon Age Two. Yeah, I'm kind of a Bioware fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of RPGs sitting within arm's reach, and I think that's going to be something compelling where. I can still have that MMO experience, join up with my friends, get a party of four, and if you've seen the intro, I want to go do the intro. <laughs> I want to jump around and whip lightsabers at people and have somebody you know, covering me with droids and having sidekicks and relationships and all that crazy stuff and, and still be able to play with my friends. I think that's going to be very compelling. Well... And in Star Wars Galaxies, a few years old, uh, never really considered it to be a big hit. But then again, they didn't have Bioware doing it. Bioware doing Star Wars again? Oh, that's a dream come true. And Galaxies had its own fair share of problems, too. The, the crafting system was nightmarish. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you have a, a, an epic space opera without the ability to go into space. Right. I mean, the fact that they launched all of the the spaceship stuff so much later and it was just nigh impossible to become a Jedi at first. And then they gave it away for free practically to everybody. Hey, you want to be a Jedi? Everybody's doing it. Here you go. So 
it, it felt like, uh, you know, the, the carrot and the stick, and then everybody got carrots. Well, and, so. the, and there's the allure of the Old Republic setting. You know, it's, it isn't tied down so hard to the continuity of the films. Right. There's it's 200 lot- years before even their own, their own games. So they're not even tied to the, the lore that they've created. Right, right. And, and, and there's also a lot of other, I guess, classes in that universe that seem like they would be a lot of fun as well. Whereas, right. Whereas in, in the movie continuity, you, you've got to be a Jedi. Right, and the Jedi are, are pretty much a dead race, so yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool to see like the Jedi Consulars and Sith Lords and Knights and Commandos running around. So yeah, it's it's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have to say that I, I wonder what sort of chicken game is being played between uh, Activision Blizzard and EA. <laughs> uh, you know, nobody wants to announce their that Diablo three is going to go open beta at some point. Nobody wants to announce that the Old Republic is going beta at some point. I think they're waiting for each other, and all of us are waiting for them. So if you're listening, chop, chop, let's go. Right? Well, I think it's a good time to to get into our big topic this week. Yeah. So as I spoke about at the the top of the hour, uh, it's been nearly six years since the launch of the 360, almost that long for the PS3 and the Wii. Um, we, we we already know the Wii U is coming out next year sometime. Yep. What what are Microsoft and Sony thinking right now? What are they doing? You know, they have to look at the, the success of the Wii. Um, I've got a friend that came over just the other day, and she was mentioning that she owned a Wii, and I said, oh, well, what titles do you have? And she said, well, what came with it? Uh, yeah. That was her response, and and that's not an uncommon response. You know, they played Wii Sports; they thought it was great. One hundred and fifty dollars price point, uh, you know, is not too bad to stomach. And suddenly, everybody was able to play these games. And you didn't have to know all these "quote unquote" complex controls. So, they've got to be just wondering about the the software lineup for the Wii U. Um, the stuff that I saw at E three was pretty compelling, mm-hmm. but. There was really not a lot of gameplay there. There was a lot of concept, and there was a very, very, very pretty demo for what might might be another Zelda game. Right. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it the, even the stuff they showed wasn't running on a Wii U. It was all mocked up. Mm-hmm. That, that was a pure hardware demo, pure right. and simple. So they're, they're probably asking the same questions that I've been asking all along. Where's the software? Yeah, and and it seems like they really focused on that controller. At the yeah, and I was I was surprised at how sturdy that controller is. It is not a cheap, uh, cheaply made controller. Yeah, and and I'm <clears throat> I'm very curious as to see how that actually works with gameplay. I'm I guess right now I'm tentatively optimistic about the Wii U. But I think in, I could probably agree with that. But uh, you know, until we see more, I, I can't really, I can't really say anymore. Right, and then that's the thing. I think a lot of the press members that that I talked to at E three were in the same boat. They're like, you know, all this is wonderful, but it felt a little bit like Nintendo showed us the hardware and said, "Hey, if you have any good ideas on how we can use this, please let us know." <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, I, I could see some really compelling games now that they've got some decent graphics power behind them. Um, you know, there, there could be really some some great shooters coming that use the Wii U tablet that has, you know, here's your backpack inventory. Right. Or obviously the Zelda tie-in is an easy one. But any RPG that uses a map, you know, instead of pausing and using a map that kind of takes you out of the environment, you could have the map down in your lap. Well, and, and I felt like the Wii really, really did succeed in bringing it in a whole new group of gamers. Right, that, right. That the... The Kinect and, and the 360 and the PS3, I feel, are starting to capitalize on as they as those gamers start to crave more complexity. Sure, there's there are people that are just like, oh well, what did it come with? That's all I have. But there's a lot there. There is a significant number of players that have, you know, gone. Oh, this is great. What else is out there? Right. And and so, well, I mean, Nintendo knows what they have to do to, to launch a new hardware. 
it's not like it's rocket science. Right. So it'll be a new Mario title. Oh, yeah. It'll be a new Zelda title. It'll be a new Metroid title. It'll right. be a new Star Fox title, you know, or something like that. It, it could be pretty easy for them to relaunch that system. But I feel like I feel like what they really need to to guarantee is that yes, they can make they can retain some of those you know early level players while providing for the more not necessarily hardcore but that kind of middle run that is ready to kind of move on to the next level. And well, I, think, I, I feel like that's their that's their strategy, but again, don't know yet. I think that they're they're positioning their players in the right way. Um, one of their first announcements was Darksiders Two right. from THQ, so they're already leveraging some good third party support. And Darksiders was a great game, so picking up Darksiders Two right out of the gate will be a, a good hit for them. Uh, ultimately, it'll be late because we'll already be playing Darksiders 2 on other platforms, but it's still good that they're saying, hey, yeah, our system's capable of doing that. And then, you know, Ghost Recon Future Warrior, um, same thing. You know, it, we'll have already been playing it on other platforms, but they're saying, yeah, our system can do that. And I think really securing that third-party uh lineup is really the, the key to their success. If you want to see what happens when you don't have that, take a look at the Dreamcast. Right. Well, and, and, and I think they, they've learned their lesson, right? Like, it, this generation, if it came out on the Xbox and the PS3, then developers could leverage the same uh, assets and the same work, you know, production work for both, both systems, along with the, P- right. the PC. They had to do a unique experience for the Wii because Nintendo is like, oh, we're different. The game has to be different. Our hardware isn't as powerful, but we have a different experience. And and that, I feel like, it, it really it helped them a lot, but it backfired too. Sure. Well, I mean, think about it from, uh, you know, we were talking about Hard Reset earlier. Think about it being an indie. Yep. Can you afford to have two separate art teams or to spend so much time developing art for two platforms or that you you know, that could put you out of business. Yep. You're trying to ship a title, you don't have a lot of time to to make that second set of, of art assets. Yep. Yep. So we talk about the next generation as if it hasn't started yet, but it really kind of has in one one fashion. Uh, we've got the 3DS that just came out this year, yep. and, the, and the Vita, which is about to come out. Uh, the handheld market. The the Vita. Yep. Yeah, Vita, Vita, potato, potato. <laughs> Vita, Vita, Benjamin. Yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I heard that about a hundred thousand <laughs> times at E3. <laughs> is it Vitastic? Uh. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I don't I don't know. It, it feels like it feels like Sony trying to just throw more power at it, kind of like how the PSP was, but we'll just have to see how it goes. I, I kind of have to disagree there. Uh, really? I got hands-on with the Vita, and um, I think it was a, you know, a little bit of a, oops, yeah, so we, we screwed up, and here's some stuff that we fixed. Turns out you need that second nub to play shooters. Um <laughs> I still don't get the touch screen on the back. I mean, other than, you know, tapping on the back to make mountains grow and you're using editors and stuff like that, I don't see the gameplay uh, use for that yet. But that is a little system that could. That That is a powerful system. I think we're going to see some pretty much... They were almost PS3-level games on the, on the system. For a handheld, that's pretty incredible. Um, the technology that they've got to leverage... Being able to you know play on your handheld, save the game, and then load it up on your PS3, and then pick up the same save right where you left off. Um, the name escapes me right now, but there's a great Diablo clone loot whoring game that they're making that looks pretty damn great. But yeah, that that kind of cloud save technology that's that's not new to the PC game world, but that's that's pretty new to the console world. So seeing that leveraged. Uh, in real time, they you know, we got a demonstration right at E3. Um, that was pretty cool. So I, I think I think that uh, Nintendo's got their their work cut out for them again. 
Yep. Uh, now, have they have they announced a price point for it yet? Uh, you know, I don't remember. I want to say it was two fifty, but that 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 might be wrong. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't remember off the top of my head either. I remember whatever they said, and I think there was still some vagueness to it, but it sounded a lot better than the launch price of the PSP. So it did it did pique my curiosity. You're looking it up, aren't you? I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be three hundred for the Wi-Fi. Uh, that's what it was. It was two fifty for the Wi-Fi and uh, two ninety nine for the uh, the three G one. Um, of course, if you want the the Wi-Fi version, fine. If you want the three G version, well, welcome to American Telephone and Telegraph. Oof. Yeah, no thanks. It's bad enough they already absorbed, uh, or they're trying to absorb T-Mobile. Uh, I don't think I want any more of them in my life. Yeah, yeah. And which kind of segues to my next point. Uh, you got to wonder if Nintendo and Sony are kind of collectively filling their pants right now, worrying about this new huge market of handheld games on iPhone and Android um, and and the, the the more inexpensive yet very compelling games that are coming out for those platforms. Uh, that I, are I have to agree. I have to agree completely. Uh, I cannot believe the amount of stupid amounts of time I've played on Airport Mania 2. <laughs> well, and, and something I'm really looking forward to is... I mean, I, I, we're, we're an Apple household. I'll, I'll admit that. Let we me. all have our faults. <laughs> but, I'm an Android user all the way. <laughs> so I've got an Apple TV uh, hooked up to my system. And the main reason why I purchased it, one of the main reasons why I purchased it, was because I saw them... I saw games that would be streamed through the Apple TV from an iOS device where your iOS device is the controller and you can play it on the screen of your TV. Uh, and I got to tell you, there's there's already a couple of games that are going to be doing that uh, really soon with this new update uh, coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, one is a racing game, the name escapes me, but you literally play it with your iPad, your iPad has a, one view, and your TV has another, and it's extremely responsive, and and looks really good. And I, I feel like kind of that's their, like the whole iOS thing has been Apple's kind of stealth entry into the gaming market, and I think that particular feature because an Apple TV is only ninety nine bucks, you can play Netflix on it. You can stream music from your iTunes, you know, video from your iOS devices to it. It, it does a lot of great stuff and shows a lot of potential, and it's affordable as hell. I but, I, I think that's going to make things blow up for them if they do it right and if they get the the support for it that they need. Well, Apple, Apple can go ahead and thank Sony for that too, because if you think back to when they announced the uh, the PlayStation Three before the god awful Ridge Racer line from Kazurai, <laughs> um, we did see Formula One, and he was playing Formula One on the PS3 and using the PSP as his rearview mirror. So that kind of thing is not uh, unheard of. Oh no, and- the GameCube and the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, absolutely. There were games that yeah, very similar link. It's it's not like this hasn't been an idea, but I but think they, I think that Apple is going to be the one to to finally say, okay, here's how you do it right. Because I mean, Formula One did. Re, please raise your hand, readers, if you actually did that, used your PSP in that way. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's an empty room. So I think Apple is going to be the one to get that done. I may be an Android fanboy, but damn it, if Apple can't make their stuff dance together. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, an- another trend that we've been noticing in recent years, uh, you know, actually last year, uh, Microsoft and Sony milking their current generation with motion controls. Yep. So I think at this point we can pretty much 
call it Microsoft blew it out of the water with the Connect in terms of the ability to tap into the market. Sony, not so much. At least not from what I can tell. Sony's been trying to the motion control thing for a long time. Do you remember back uh, to the game Lair? Yes. I want to say it was 2007. Uh, another, uh, I think it was Factor 5 that uh, made that game. So, yeah, thinking back then, the game shipped with nothing but motion controls. The only way you could play the game was by tilting the six-axis controller. Fans hated it. Hated it. To the point where Sony and Factor 5 had to go back and patch the game to allow you to use a regular controller. Well, it felt so shoehorned in. I, I, I hated it too. Right, right. So there, there's a time and place for motion controls, and I'm hoping that publishers and developers realize that. Um, Sony's still trying to pry in motion controls, but they're not as adamant about it as they used to be. Um, I think the Kinect is a really solid uh, entry, but uh, the fact that there is that delay mm -hmm. means that developers have to get really creative on how they use the, the Kinect. Right. Um, I think probably the best implementation of that is the UFC title, the UFC trainer game. Mm -hmm. um, by eliminating the on-screen avatar, they eliminated the lag. So you're actually the lag. Um, you know, the trainer says do this. The lag is your reaction time, and you do that. So that's that's probably the best use of that that I've seen. Uh, a lot of other titles have just kind of said, okay, well, there's going to be some input lag. Right. So what? Right. Um, just Dance is another. Or, uh, I'm sorry, Dance Central is another one that that did a really great job with that. Again, you had the on-screen avatar, and they were showing you what to do, and then the lag was you doing it. Right. right. Um, so living in Phoenix, I actually do have access to some some folks over at Intel, and uh, got some intel from the guys at Intel. They're working on the Connect, uh, whatever they're going to end up calling it, the Connect sequel, mm -hmm. and uh, the processor that they're working on. Their one goal is to make it one to one. So the idea is they'll move the processing engine off of the Xbox 360 and do the processing right in the Connect and allow players to have that one-to-one -one translation. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. Right. Microsoft pretty well aware of, uh, of the limitations of the Kinect, so obviously they're going to want to one-up one themselves. Well, I mean, and, and honestly, actually, Microsoft did a really great move with the Kinect uh, by opening up the... Uh, do, do you even hear the puns you're throwing out, the move of the Kinect thing? <laughs> do, do you hear this stuff? Or is it just me? I I totally wasn't even thinking about that. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, <clears throat> so opening up the connect to hackers. Oh yeah. Pe people repurposing it. You know, hearing rumors that PCs are going to start coming with connects or something crazy like that. Uh, I think I think they've they're learning a lot from people that know how to maximize limitations. Sure. And I think that's a good lesson for anyone to learn. Uh, it's, it's far easier to come up with something extraordinary if you know the sandbox you're playing in. Sure, and, well, that's, that's always been the strength of having a console. It's a closed platform. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It, I think we're, for, we're finally going to get a connect this year. Uh, probably because of a Star Wars lightsaber game or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I might have seen something about that. Yeah, just a thing or two. Uh, you know, you know that concept that everybody's been screaming for ever since the Wii was announced. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but but even if you look at, at what Nintendo had to do, they had to go back and essentially put a hardware patch on their own system yeah. with the Motion Plus. So. It's not like Nintendo wasn't aware of the lag in their system either. Yep. And then I, I have a two-year-old who loves Sesame Street. So I see Sesame Street. I see Double Fine. I see a Connect in my future. That's pretty much the bottom line right there. 
you know, I'm a sucker. Uh, Tim Schafer can put out whatever he wants, and I'll just buy it. You know, <laughs> shut up and take my money. <laughs> I don't even have kids, and I'll probably buy the damn Sesame Street game. Curse you, Tim Schafer. <laughs> and, you know, it'll probably still be just incredibly fun and hilarious no matter what. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, Ron, do you feel that... Now, I mean, PCs, they, you can pretty much just keep on adding or rebuilding a PC, putting in a new $500 video card, you know, new audio card, whatever, and, yeah, and I did, get the I latest did that and greatest. Yeah, I last week. <laughs> so, yeah, tell me more about that. <laughs> <clears throat> so, that's, that's really where the cutting edge of graphics is happening now, because we, we, we're still dealing with several year old technology in the consoles, even sure. though they're able to push it push it farther because they don't have a million drivers to worry about. Sure. Um but I'm starting to get this this impression that we're seeing a law of diminishing returns and higher production costs on blockbuster titles due to the fact that everything's HD now. Every every minute detail can be seen. If if it isn't just incredibly detailed and incredibly lush, if you're a triple A title, then you're gonna get dinged for it. And that I mean, you have to have artists to create that level of detail. You Certainly. Ha- you have to have uh, programmers to enable the detail. It, it it feels like we've gotten really what I see right now on my consoles on my HDTV is really damn good. So where do you go from here? Right, right. So it's like how much how much better can it get? I, and, and sure, it could probably get a lot better, but this is really good. I, we, we had tons of fun with 8-bit graphics. Is, is it uh, really that I, important? <laughs> I think we might be dating ourselves, but uh, one of the first games I played didn't have graphics. <laughs> I might have been eaten by a guru a few times. Oh, so, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I spent I spent many come... hours on trying to get that babble fish. Let me tell you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, I think there is some diminishing returns, and when you look at titles that used to take two years, now they take four. Yep. I mean, that's that costs money. Um, arguably, The Witcher 2 is probably one of the most intense games you can possibly play. Um, I have an absolute top-of-the-line rig running solid-state drives, 24 gigs of RAM, uh, GeForce 570 graphics card. I mean, that's not the absolute top, but pretty damn close. Right. And The Witcher 2, I'd still probably have to add a second graphics card to max everything out. It's obscene what it takes to run something you know that beautiful. But if I'm a little more patient, Witcher Two is coming out on the Xbox 360. So there you go. It, you know that there is probably a diminishing return. And if I spent a ton more money on my PC, I could probably run it with all the bells and whistles. But would the gameplay experience really be any different? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Um, you know, the the Witcher does have some pretty complex controls for sword fighting and stuff, but I don't think it's anything that can't be emulated on the PC or on the uh, on the console controller. Uh, you take a look at Deus Ex on the PC versus the Xbox 360, and yeah, they're pretty arguably the same experience. Yep. Um, I think the diminishing returns is going to come more in terms of what is it going to take to reach whatever's next, and then is it worth it? So you look at a game like, again, Deus Ex, uh, can't seem to shut up about it, but <laughs> they could have gone with something photorealistic and kind of tried to skirt that Uncanny Valley stuff, or uh, Mass Effect 3. Um, you know, you look at the graphics on that, they're pretty stellar. They're not quite photorealistic, but they're really good. Mm-hmm. Um, is that really the, the next thing that we want, is photorealism? Uh, I kind of like some of the, the, uh, the art choices that get made to fit within that that game space or the sandbox as you referred to it, you know the characters are a little more uh, stylized. Well, and, and I, I like that. And and if you think about the the way it's affected the market, like it, I, sequelitis has been a problem 
for throughout throughout history of gaming. But NHL twelve. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it it feels like it's it's at a tipping point because it's these sequels are squeezing out all of these opportunities for for smaller games to come up and be triple A titles, triple A level quality. Sure, because, but... because of the amount of production cost that it's involved, none of the publishers are going to take too much of a risk. Yeah, and that's that's really where the hitch is, is with the publishers. Right. So that's why I've, I feel we've been seeing this influx of indie development, which has been great. And the fact that, you know, you have Xbox Live and PlayStation Network and even uh, the Wii, the, the Nintendo uh, indie stuff, that they're, what little they're allowing to, to happen there. I feel like, I feel like that's where... And combine that with the, the indie development on iOS and, and the handheld stuff. Um, that's where all the innovation is really happening nowadays. Yeah, a lot of it. I, I would have to agree with you. Um, I think really our biggest thanks has to go to the guys at Epic. Mm-hmm. Um, look at all the titles over the last couple of years that have come out using the Unreal Engine. Yep. The aforementioned Deus Ex used the first Unreal Engine. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, the guys at Epic Games are trying to get more people using the Unreal Engine sets, and they're licensing them in such a way that if you wanted to create a game, the the money in your pocket would probably suffice to get you started. And it's powered some of the the greatest games of the last couple of years. Gears of War, obviously. Uh, Batman Arkham Asylum, Mirror's Edge, uh, Mass Effect. One, but, two, and three. These are fantastic games that look great, and you don't have to worry about creating the the guts of of that engine. You you just bought it. Well, it certainly helped alleviate some of it, but I mean, you still have to have all of those people working on the art assets and the effects. Oh, of course, and, and of course. All of that. And and it, there's so much more required for for that that kind of uh, detail. Certainly, so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, obviously, the Wii was a success, despite the graphics. But again, like we said before, a mixed success. So, sure. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how Microsoft and Sony differentiate their next generation of consoles. Well, I know that Microsoft and Sony have both committed to supporting their systems well into the next couple of years, uh, 2014. Yep. So uh, I don't think we're any, in any way nearing the end of the console life, uh, life cycle. Right. But, yeah, it's kind of surprising to see there hasn't been a single announcement from Sony or Microsoft uh, on anything for those next-gen platforms. Uh, no, I mean... There's been some chatter, like Kaz Harai earlier in the year said, we're not deliberating on a PS4 next generation machine, whatever you call it. And then another Sony person a few months later said, this is a platform business, so for the future platform, when we'll be introducing what product, I cannot discuss that, but our development work is already underway. So, I mean, obviously, Sony's definitely left, left some hints, and then Microsoft posting uh, job openings for next-gen Xbox positions. I mean, they're they're gearing up, but it, the Wii U is going to have a pretty easy road of it those first couple of years. Certainly. I think they're going to be the same position that Microsoft was in. They kind of had the jump yep. on Sony with the Xbox, the original Xbox, and then again with the Xbox 360. And, with, uh, and without the technical concerns that the 360 had. Right. Right. But, uh, you know, you, you also have to look at uh, EA president, uh, you know, went, went on to say that he doesn't see what we could actually do with a PlayStation 4 that we're not doing with the PlayStation 3. Right. You know, it could be faster. It could look a little better. But where do you go from here? I mean, if you look at Madden, it's a pretty game. You know, unless you're moving into photorealism and you start scanning people in and then get that one-to-one translation – 
I don't know how that's going to help gameplay, but yeah. uh, it'll look pretty. <laughs> well, yeah, how, how much I mean, does that system cost? You can almost guarantee Sony's going to be pushing 3D like crazy. I can push it away from me. I I just bought myself a a plasma TV, and it does not do 3D, and I'm perfectly happy with that. And I just bought an LCD, that LCD, LED, that I I didn't even want to touch 3D. It's it's just, I don't feel it's there yet. But that's not to say they might not have something. I mean, they're obviously testing the waters with uh, the PS3. uh, Certainly. Having having some capabilities and that uh, monitor that they showed off, which... Looks great, but you know, it's awful tiny. Right, it's it's kind of tiny, and my PS3 is still my Blu-ray player. So, yeah, uh, don't think so. But it, it, you know, that's probably one of the things they're going to be pushing really hard because well, even, it's so tied I, in to their other businesses. Right. Even when I review, though, uh, I look at at 3D titles, and the only thing I can think when I get to the end of a review, and I'm like, God, this game was awful. And I just think, you know, every dollar you spent on 3D is a dollar you could have spent on gameplay. Yeah, yeah. And, it's you know, going why... re- to just blow up those higher production costs even more. Right, and that's why we double rate gameplay at Gaming Trend, because mm-hmm. gameplay matters, and it's the it's king. Mm-hmm. You can have the fanciest, prettiest graphics in the world, but if the gameplay is trash, what's the point? So, so what else do you think we're looking at in terms of, of ways that they could di- differentiate? I mean, let's just... Well, you know, you know they're eyeballing each other from, from across the room. Oh, you know, absolutely. They're both waiting to see what the other one's going to do. Um, motion controls, I don't know. I think it'll be a part of the equation, but it's like selecting a new uh, cable carrier. You know, you're, you're going, well, yeah, they also do phone, but is that really important to me? So... You know, I want to see a game system that can put forth some decent graphics, load things at a reasonable clip, um, but motion controls are really not what's going to draw me to the platform. Well, and, uh, and, I, and I think motion controls, I mean, again, that's not a differentiator anymore. I mean, right. we, can pretty much, we can pretty much expect that any console that comes out is going to have some kind of motion control system Come on, from, you can from buy, here on out. You can buy a Roku box with motion controls now and play Angry Birds on it. Right. That should tell you... That motion controls are here to stay. Exactly. Um, now, what I what I think we'll actually see is something that Microsoft's been dabbling around with uh, with Windows 8, uh, talking about subscription based models instead of uh, um, you know buying a product, you buy a subscription to the product. Mm-hmm. I think uh, they'll finally get off their ass and launch an MMO on that platform. Yep. Uh, we've seen some aborted attempts. It's just never come together. I think we'll see that in the next-gen platform. They'll really think about how to secure that platform and make sure that they could actually support uh, an MMO. Um, to that end, when you start thinking about MMOs, you're not saving your content on the box. Mm-hmm. That leads to cloud computing. So well, I, th- and, I think, I think and, that's going to be the next big thing. And OnLive right now is already establishing a model for cloud, cloud gaming. Absolutely. You know, and they have a they have a set top box, uh, and I have one. I, I've been thinking about getting one, uh, just because I don't have a PC anymore. I really don't want to play that game anymore. Sure. Um, but if I had something I could play PC games that was affordable that I could hook up to my system, my entertainment system, then I would just go nuts. Deus Ex was ready on day one. Yeah, exactly. So. I, so and, is Duke and, Nukem for whatever that's worth. <laughs> you you gotta wonder. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna go towards that. There's probably definitely gonna be some kind of streaming gaming happening on these next gen consoles, and you gotta wonder what the retailer side of the equation is going to think about that. Well, they're gonna be terrified. But let me cast an even bigger shadow on that. Um, there's another harbinger of things to come, and that's bandwidth caps. So you may get 50 gigs of speed, but you're also getting capped at 50 gigs of usage. So let's fast forward for just a second and say Knights of the Old Republic comes out for the Xbox whatever. Uh, That's a 30 gig download to play. 
Now I can imagine them setting it up where you're only streaming certain parts of the world and you, you know, you have like a short loading sequence before you move to the other, other area. They could make it work, but that usage is still there. So you're still talking about an incredible amount of bandwidth. And when you look at games where, I mean, Blu-ray games, for instance, that could be 50 gigs for one game. So with bandwidth caps in place, I don't know how cloud computing is going to work if, if we're downloading our games and getting away from physical media. There's a lot of big question marks that are tied not only to the game industry, but also looking at the, the way the Internet is starting to move and the way Internet service providers are, are starting to move. I think there's going to be a lot of question marks for gamers in the, in the near future. Well, and, and that brings up another point. Uh, I mean, they could go two ways as far as storage with these next consoles. One, one being lots of storage because storage is way cheaper now. I mean, oh, absolutely. They're already, like all the new models are already coming out with huge, much huger hard drives than they used to of, of the current gen. Um, or they go with no storage and try to go cloud only. I, I just don't see that happening. That what I really want, I want what Sony's doing. Here's your system with your hard drive. Want a bigger one? Then put a bigger one in. Don't care. Doesn't void your warranty. Let us pick up our own hard drives. Hard drives just continuously get cheaper. It's rough to sit there and look at, you know, I've got a 120 gig hard drive in in my Xbox, and I go to Fry's and I could get a two terabyte one for 89 bucks. Uh, why can't I do that? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't stop people from pirating anything on the system. So seriously, just knock it off. Yep. So. You, you game on your PC a lot. Do you think I do. Do you think there's anything that's showing up right now on PCs that might show up in the next gen? Well, I mean, like I said, The Witcher 2 is obviously coming. That That's announced. Um, honestly, when you look at PC titles, a lot of them are built in such a way that they can be console titles. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not seen a killer app other than MMOs that doesn't really appear on the PC, um, with the exception of one thing, real-time strategy titles. Uh, I think that we could see that on uh, the PlayStation because they've allowed mouse and keyboard. I'm waiting. I'm really hoping that the Dawn of War series starts to make it over the console market. It's a fantastic series, and and I'd like to see the guys from Relic uh, succeed with that on, on the console market. So who knows? Maybe we'll see you know some RTS courtesy of USB mouse and keyboard. Uh, uh, and, and you gotta you gotta wonder too. Maybe maybe there might be some uh, success for the Wii U in that particular genre. I mean, certainly, you've got, you've yeah. Got a touch, touch screen. screen. I hadn't even thought of that. That's that's totally true. You know that's 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 the beautiful thing about having a, a touch screen like that. And you know you can pretty much have any kind of any kind of interface that you need at the time on that uh, in terms of, you know, buttons and, and whatnot. You need right. to do, do some tricky stuff. And, I mean, that's been showing up on the iOS. Uh, obviously, on an iPhone, traditional controls don't work too well. There's only a handful of games that do anything that might be considered slightly traditional uh, that have their own kind of control scheme that that works but uh but yeah i I have a feeling once people start figuring out how to take advantage of that and maybe maybe that's what we're going to see maybe we're going to see a touch screen on on all the consoles in the next generation Uh, it certainly would make things interesting i just had an absolutely hilarious flashback um all this reminds me of a little item from infinium labs called the the phantom (laughs) Is the Phantom not on live plus keyboard and mouse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that item died a horrible death uh, under the weight of a thousand lawsuits. But if you look at where we are right now, it absolutely is on live plus keyboard and mouse. Yep. Wow. Scary. Well, I mean, the concept for the Phantom was was not a bad one. It no. was just the people who were building it 
we're, we're bad people. <laughs> I can't disagree with that. So yeah, I think I think we're actually going to see um, a more ubiquitous platform uh, moving moving into the future. I think everybody realizes you can't differentiate the way the Wii does. You got to be pretty. That's just. I mean, there may be some diminishing returns there, yeah. but looking at that Zelda title in HD, I, that that's just that's the future. Yeah, a Zelda title can be very pretty. And, and still play like a Zelda title with motion controls and everything else. Yep. Um, it is interesting to look at the Wii U though and wonder what that next generation Zelda might be like because you know they worked really hard to get the sword controls going, and then when you think about the Wii U, where does that sword control go? I think it kind of goes right out the window. So, well, but you got to remember, there you're going to be able to use the uh, the Wii controller. Right, but are they going to have you have uh, you know a Wii U on your lap and then the the sword controller in your hand and then you're sitting down on the couch or yeah I think there'll be some questions that that Nintendo will have to solve for that for Microsoft and Sony I don't know it's a big question mark it's hard to know what they might have in their head because unless they're going to completely revolutionize in the way that the Wii U is looking at it you know you're going to start to see some you know I don't know I. Could they could they do like what we saw for the initial PlayStation Three rumors, where it was a separate, uh, you know, two part controller that has motion controls on both sides? Uh, as, probably long, not, because we just saw that with the Wii. You know, as long as it, is, as it isn't that boomerang. <laughs> that thing was hideous. <laughs> so well, yeah, it, it's hard to know what what what's on on their mind for those guys because what's there what's there to do? Well, in one of the other things that intrigues me about the Wii U, and they were talking about how that new controller might be used and how it's it's going to be one of those controllers. It's not like everyone is going to have that controller. There's You're going to have a more Wii controller-like experience for the other players. Right. And, you know, the, the Internet exploded. And they were like, one controller, that doesn't make any sense. And it made me think, well, what if... What if you have a game where you have the option for one player to play a certain way and do certain things with the Wii U controller, and then everybody else is using other controllers, and it's not like one is just like the the second player that just picks up coins or something stupid like that, but it's, it actually it actually works. Or, or what if you had a game where the the person with the Wii U controller was like the game master? And was basically almost like kind of a D and D kind of thing, where they're the DM and everybody else is playing, and they're like kind of controlling the experience for the other players, and they're able to see things on the on the t- small screen that can't be shown on the big screen. I think there's a lot of potential in that, and I hope they explore it in such a way where it isn't just like novelty kid games. Right, not just party titles, but something uh, you know, something more mature. Right. So, I think that'll be interesting. I, I think, I think something. I think that that's kind of the key. Is it's what's going to differentiate these titles from one another are how they approach the game experience uh, on an individual level. Right, right. And if and if they can differentiate that game experience from player to player, without sacrificing quality or uh, immersion for each player, then they're going to have something. Yep, yep, I agree. Um, the only thing that I could really think of for the PlayStation and and, and Microsoft, uh, the only way they're really going to be able to differentiate themselves, unless they come to the table with something new, like a chunk of hardware, like the Wii U is they're going to continue to leverage uh, the PlayStation Network. I think we'll see that expand, and they're going to have, again, a more ubiquitous platform where you you know, take everything with you. So you know, I'm playing with uh, on my phone, which they announced. You know, you'll be able to do that with the PlayStation 3. Right. You know, so on, on your phone, you're playing a title, and you, know, you put that away. You can pull out your Vita and play it on there and then switch over to PlayStation 3 or 4 or whatever. I think we'll see that kind of seamless transition. Um, what I'm hoping is that that also translates to uh, cloud-based 
music, cloud-based movies, yeah. and that becomes more ubiquitous as well. Microsoft will continue to be the the place where indie people go to put up their games. Um, I think we've seen a lot of success with indie titles on the Xbox Live platform um, that it's they've a, not really seen on the PlayStation Network. It's actually one of my favorite things about the Xbox 360. I, Absolutely. I, I probably have as many, as many or more Xbox Live titles than I do uh, discs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think we'll see the leverage with the, the new Kinect. I think the Kinect is the, the console. That's the way that Microsoft, I think, is really looking at it. Is that the Connect is the platform they're going to want to they're going to want to leverage, you know, more um, tie-ins with things like things like ESPN and I don't know the Fishing Network or whatever. Um, they'll have you know those kind of tie-ins, but I think we'll see more uh, demands to use the Connect in interesting ways to to control things. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't see I don't see a chunk of hardware coming from either one of them like the Wii. Uh... Yep, I agree. All right, well, I, I think that that about covers it. Uh, maybe we should uh, open this topic up to our readers. Uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see what they come up with. Um, yeah. There's there's a lot of people that are paid a lot of money to try and predict this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but I think they're probably in the dark as we are. Microsoft and Sony have played this very close to the vest. Yeah, I I think this is a good way to kind of open up a mailbag. Certainly. So, so yeah, readership, tell us what you think. Yep. What what is Microsoft and what is what has Sony got up their sleeve? Yep. So uh, yeah, we'll set that up on the site this week, uh, probably with the release of this podcast. Uh, awesome. Excellent. All right, Ron. Well, that's another week. All right, let's do this again next week. Absolutely. This is uh, the Gaming Trend Podcast for the week of September 12th. Uh, We will see you next week.